Okay, here we go. You just have to say something to each other. Who that? Everybody. Yes, starting with well, the two people. The two I'm... people who are having a date. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing dating, yeah, so thinking is not allowed. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm very glad to be here. I feel so much love for you, Berenica. I'm so grateful we met, and I'm so glad that you made this offer today because I was hiding from being part of this group and. Because I, I thought I'm not good enough or like I'm not, yeah, I had stories going on. So I'm so glad you, about all your blunt offers you do, like I love this in you, like this thing of, yeah, just jumping and, and I love your, I love, I love your offers and they scare me and I, I still love them. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica, mm. you're on. Oh. Wow, I feel fear and I feel so much joy and I feel so much love and I <laughs> value so much being on this journey with you, Anna. And, and about that, you know, that you feel like you feel it my offers in all your bodies and you go for it and that I, the, all the gold you're bringing to my life. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for being here today with me. Can you be more specific mm-hmm. about the gold that Anna brings? Mm-hmm. She, I love Anna. I love the, the presence you're bringing the, the way you are able to pull out the invisible or what I cannot see to the front and to my eyes and that you can do it for other people. It's like you are weaving the reality more to the to this to the thin texture. Uh, and you do it with so much love and care for others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we have a special special delivery service here. So does anybody here need to say any other kind of message to anybody else here? Yes. Hi, Dora. Hello, Janet. I'm glad to see Hi, you everyone. here. I want to hear from you. What's the, what are you bringing? You're talking to me? You want to yes, hear from me? I do. I feel a bit scared right now. Can I, maybe I can check in a bit later? Oh, no. Fear in the, we all start with fear in this check-in. You missed it so far, but everybody's afraid here. Everybody. So that's a perfect resonance with the space. <laughs> Dude, let us have it. Mm-hmm. I feel fear to start sharing. I just didn't even see who's here. 
I didn't, I'm on the phone. I didn't even look. It scares me. You just go ahead and check in at the beginning of the meeting. I feel... Keep going. I feel glad to see some of you. The... It's cool. Hey. I haven't seen you for a long time. Sure. Sure. This is the study group. We've been doing this for two years. We're in stage six, the fear of being nobody. So it's time for radical relating. So you're at the superficial level. Drop down about eight levels, okay? And start over. Shift go. Okay. So let me let me give me just a second. You can start with I'm in Israel and nobody's shooting at me right now. Okay. I'm in Israel, nobody's shooting at me. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of big emotions that I that I haven't really processed. In the last three months, and yeah, it's just a really challenging time. A lot of grief, a lot of uh, rage, and that's the part that to say you you. Thinking stuff or feeling stuff, and that's that would be the part to say here. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel sad that I that I need to kind of share that like this right now, and I. I don't know. I'm I'm still talking to people here, so I'm. I feel sad that it's. I just need to share this like this. In this way, and and I cannot just connect more and more. Oops. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Jeff. We're just uh, randomly. Dora, you want to finish that? You want to say something else? No, thank you. Thank you for speaking. Janet, thank you for asking. Does anybody else need to say anything else with anybody else right now? Hi, Ingrid. We see you. I see you. Thank you, Ingrid. I'm glad you're here. Me too. I miss our team. Manuela, you're you're muted. If you wanted to say something, I want to check in as well. Um, I feel very sad. It's an emotion. I don't really know why. 
And at the same time, I am excited in terms of probably a little bit fearful to show up here, despite the fact that I am in this low frequency. And I feel warmth coming up when I say this, kind of very alive. So thank you for being around and for for having me speak up despite the fact that I feel very low. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's one of the valuable things about our team here is we just meet every week and it doesn't matter if we're high or low or empty or full or it what matters is simply the continuity in a way. Like we I never thought this journey would last this long. I never thought we would diverge into this stage six, the fear of being nobody in the beyond repair article. It's I just never thought we would hang together this long. I bet what are you thinking? I have a lot of gratitude. And yeah, it's it became stronger with Manuela's words because that's how I I I sense this in the space as well that I can be here anytime, no matter what is going on in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that and Yeah, I, I remember that I met Ingrid in this space for the first time. Uh, and I have a legend about Ingrid when there was in the first chapter about experiments and she was asking, do I have to do that with the same man all the time? Uh, 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 do you remember what you said about <laughs> You say, where do you find <laughs> I still have that question. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, I, I can relate to everything what people say, and so it's feeding me a lot. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Jeff, you have something? I Yeah, I in, in this space I I often have the same gratitude about having met so many of you here and how much this space has been a it's like watering hole for coming together and and that pm was just this this uh uh 
unidentifiable thing until the study group began. And then it was a place to come and also a place to bring people. And right now I'm just, I'm really crumbling in this like fairy tale about making trainings and seeing that, that I had, I had this identity about making these trainings happen. And another one is falling apart. And yeah, I, I have to, I don't know, really reset my, my whole, um, all my reference points are, are, are really off. And I've, spent the last days like cleaning up this you know this mess of wanting this training to happen so badly and working so hard every out waking hour of the last uh, three weeks or four weeks or something and yeah um I, I i don't know where i am at the moment with with all of that mm. yeah i i sat yesterday and i just thought you know maybe i i just have to give up and like go crawling back and, and beg for a job or something. That's a hard place to be. while we're here I just want to share for me when that when that kind of thing happens to me I I take it as a instructions well like a measure I don't know what like a information about providing value in a different way finding a different way to provide value. Like I have a concept about providing value. I have an idea. I have a proposal. I try things. And, and it's like when it hits the fan and, the, and my, my fantasy world breaks, I'm left with nothing. You know, I'm left with what am I really supposed to do? And the, the information that I am getting is please provide value in a different way and my next question is usually like what way what what's my next experiment and if i what i'm finding is if the experiment comes from like my head my concept if it comes from some concept like that it usually is another fantasy world and what i really have to do is resort to my team which is here for example to, to in, give me 
some hints about what my value really is that I, I can, that we, that they perceive as my value, that they want as my value. And so I'm proposing that we just spend a couple minutes, whoever would like to tell Jeff what value he delivers, that you'd, you'd love for him to deliver more of that value. So if anybody wants to say something to Jeff, clear and specific about the kind of value he creates, that uh-huh. is, is wonderful. You know, it's wonderful, the kind of stuff that Jeff brings. So Jeff, Jeff. And possibilities also about how to deliver it. Yeah. Do you have something? Not yet. Okay. So anybody, Jeff's listening. Yeah, Jeff, you just provided huge value for me by being totally authentic where you are at right now. And Maybe it... you write some stuff down, Jeff, about so the key she just gave you is being authentic. So you write that down somewhere. If you've got something and to write. It, and it feeds my heart. Like it's hard to describe, but it felt like you woke something up in me or you crashed a story I had about myself or about where I am at in my life right now. Can you say what's so, so huge? The story, can you say what it is? Yes, I had the story that I that I have it under control and that I, I need to do something, that I, I need to know about my next step and that I'm losing it. And I had a similar thing about, okay, maybe I just need to get a job and just forget about this whole thing. So I had the story that I need to hold on to something, that I cannot be um, sucked up by this, whatever it, it is, like that I cannot be, like, that I cannot let loose. And it now, like you saying this, Jeff, really feels like, okay, it's just, I don't know. I don't have a clue what comes out at the end, but your words really help me to let something go, like to fall in space. So write that down, Jeff. I help people let things go so they can fall in space. Yeah, and it, it feels like um, it has to do with something with transformation, like the way you said it, like the way you let it land in the space. It has like a transformative effect. And it's very subtle. It's yeah, it's it's very subtle, and it lands in in the depth of my being, in the depth of being. It's it's like it goes through the layers, and you didn't even use a lot of anger or anything. You just made it. You you gave it a such a frequency in those waves. You said it in in the way you said it that it could go elegantly go through and land in my being. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Yeah, well, I would like to continue there, Jeff, because I sense that too. And to my sense, it's it's a lot about how you speak, like the words that you're using, that you said. You, you crawl back to back for a job 
and this is what we are doing and the way you use this the way you speak from the not knowing but from your feelings and make it accessible to me it seems that there's a lot about language a lot about the way you speak thank you Habib. thank you Habib. thank you So Ingrid, oh. go ahead. You. Oh, the, Ingrid says, you dare to cry in public, you, a man. You are giving an example to other men so that other men can let crack open their boxes. Mm, thank you, Ingrid. Thank you. I just want to, we're not done, but there's this indication that it's counterintuitive. A lot of what people are saying is counterintuitive in terms of what we might think of as value and what is really providing value. And that, so if you could just cracking open and letting other men see and other people see that men can crack open and it's so valuable. A couple other people for Jeff. The value that he provides. I'm so inspired and I tell you this often by your your go that you just keep going and you take risks and you go first you inspire people to to just go to create their next thing even if it becomes a total mess and that you just you're a go and I, and I see this value that you bring to yourself and the people around you Try to let it in, Jeff. Try to try to get what it is. Uh, that part in you is so valuable. Part that's able to be a go. Is there one other person? Kian, you know, mm -hmm. you, do you know yes. Jeff? Yes. Go ahead. You, Jeff, you, <sighs> you, ah, <sighs> <sighs> Don't don't hold it back, Ian. Just let it speak. <laughs> you inspire me so much, but you you've been for me this this man who who works on this 
very uh, this very like such a tight path on the edge. Uh, and you you go to this edge of our culture and you just stay there and fail <laughs> and keep going. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Mark, did you did you have something? I do, but it's it's an observation. Jeff's leading the way again, but he's going into the propeller blade and he's trying to repair it. Will you tell him? I don't think he's... Jeff, I I see you at the point of grasping what we've been talking about these last five weeks and doing it, but you're holding on and trying to repair it and it's beyond repair. And I don't know what it looks like and you don't know what it looks like and it's scary as hell. And that's where we are. Last week, I was like, this is really dark. Where is the light? I don't see it yet. But it's it feels like this. It feels like everything's falling apart. And it's hard to let go and just let it fall apart. So, Mark, what I hear you saying is that Jeff is being beyond repair and that's yes. value that's that value. is value right because you're trailblazing mm-hmm. we don't know what this trail looks like or where the heck it's gonna go so thank you and it's intense it's really intense janet were you gonna say something i was Thinking about how many women in labor want to go back when labor's really started, and it's the point. Yeah, Abet's nodding yeah. just before you think, No, I'm going back, I don't want to be pregnant, which is miles too late. And it's that crucial point before the baby crowns and births, Jeff. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. We don't know what you're giving birth to, but we know you're in the birth process. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I I see something here. Just hearing all of you speak and want to be on, on my team right now and it's, it's like it's so part of this <laughs> sadness it's being with you
Well, it's really helpful what the midwife is saying. It's keep breathing. Yeah. Let <laughs> the sound come out. <laughs> I, Clinton, today said something that I'm incubating something. So I'm in the pre. So it's not as painful as the state, I guess, Jeff, but I think I'll get it. And since, I don't know, two weeks maybe, maybe even more now, I find myself wanting to do nothing. And it's a very unusual state for me who is always a, a, a to-do list longer than, I don't know, my life or something. And... I, it's such a strong force that just I I just sit there or lay there or read books or be in the pool or really uh, nothing. Nothing is really, and 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 I started getting really scared. I was really starting to get scared about what's going on with me, and and I started having thoughts, you know. Not as strong as maybe what you described, Jeff, but something like, okay, I, you know, I don't know. I, something like, I know I can numb myself in and, and, and go back to just doing what, what seems, what seems like, fun. and I, I could do that. Because I started having thoughts like that, just, and, I haven't done it yet, but I, I am still scared. And so when I was sharing with Clinton and Clinton mentioned something like that, I'm still trying to measure this idea of like, I still am trying to measure my path. Like I'm still trying to find how much is enough or how much gives me value or something in some kind of quantity or maybe even quality, but it's mostly in terms of quantity, how much can I produce? And that gives me some kind of value and that gives me my path. And now that I, I can't, like I can't really produce anything, it's like, oh, what am I really doing? Am I still on the path? Am I still evolving? Is it still working? You know, is it going to be like that for the rest of my life? You know, is it is it over? You know, are the forces over? And and so I'm trying to notice, I'm trying to notice the, what kind of measurement system I have about how much. And, and to, I don't know, keep breathing, keep breathing when that doesn't work anymore. And so I, it's, it's, even being here in the study group, I, I don't know. It's like I thought I needed to be inspired or motivated to come, especially as a space holder. And I was like, I, I don't want to do anything. I'm just, I'm just going to come here. And I'm just so glad of what you've been sharing because it, it's like then I can just be with you also in my non-measured path. 
and float in this ocean and Chloe, the ocean of our energies here. Yeah. Makes me think of deciduous trees in the winter. Of what trees? No, deciduous, the ones with leaves. But they have no leaves now. They drop them. What off. are they doing? But their roots are still interconnected, as we now know. <clears throat> but they're dormant. I also would like to thank you, Jeff, because I realized I wasn't here. I wanted to be here last week. But last week, just three hours before the study group, I found out my very close friend died. And I was in very liquid state. And somehow I thought this group, like, you know, I cannot come like this here. Like, you know, I should be a certain way to be here. And this like opens up a totally new dimension of how I can be in this space and some other online spaces for me. So thank you for opening this because it it also allows me to think I can be here even when I'm in total liquid. Thank you. I want to share something. Um, I don't know you, Jeff, but when I heard you speak, um, your honesty taught me it's enough to just show up. And then what you were saying, Anne Chloe, that's something I have been struggling with. Um, and I am exploring it to the very de- depth. This not doing anything, however, not doing anything for me still is doing a lot kind of thing. Right. I still research a bit here and there. Um, but uh, basically what I'm investigating by not doing anything is my value. And like I just said at the beginning, Jeff, the message I uh, learned from your sharing is it's enough to show up. Thank you. Thank you, Manuela. Thank you. I mean, even that, even thinking that it's enough to show up is a kind of measure. And there's a kind of way that's opening for us where somehow there's no measure. Like there's a a kind of quality of showing up that at least I showed up as a measure. And... We're talking about something even deeper than that, I think, beyond that, beyond showing up. It's like beyond repair and beyond showing up are really related. And so, and I had a friend who committed suicide last year, I think. And the thing about showing up he kind of pretended to show up at the end. He you know, he called up a few people, had these fake conversations that we did not know were fake at the time. And then he just killed himself. And it's like the showing up part was a kind of fake measure of something. 
and instead he 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 wasn't really there you know it wasn't it was a pretend so so get just try to skip even the idea of showing up and it's more you don't even have to have a, a thought about it i don't think like a qualifier or a, a description even it's just it's kind of a wordless beyond repair what was the other thing beyond what beyond showing up beyond yeah beyond showing up and beyond repair it's like here we are here it is beyond measure beyond measure beyond beyond the measuring yeah just being Very, you want to say that? I'm sad that, yeah, I'm sad that that friend was pretending. And he was pretending so well. Yeah. I'm just sad about that, that that is, that that can happen. And I didn't see it. And I didn't see you through the measuring also. I thought we were friends, him and I. And a friend would not do that to another friend, really. A friend would just let it fall apart and let it fall apart again, and let it fall apart again, and let it fall apart, even when there's nothing more to fall apart, without trying to pretend something, or do something about it, you know, like to try to end it. Because we're all in this together. One of the things that I've really gotten from the study group is what a mess. What a mess we are. And it, it doesn't matter how many cool solutions are in the book or how many harsh distinctions are in this article. There's something beyond even the mess. Mm. There's so much evidence of mess everywhere, mess like chaos, mess like harm, harmful relating stuff that one would think a human being could not tolerate being so harsh or so uh, withholding, harsh or like stuck in a concept or stuck in a a story. It's so harsh to the world to be stuck in a story about myself or about somebody else. Enough, you know, I'm so much stuck in a story about somebody else that I, I hate them or I, I'm afraid of them. I mean, imagine, you know, imagine that if you being afraid of being in a space was harsh. That's a kind of harshness. You're like you're holding yourself back because you're afraid of some story, some imagined something. And 
if if one could see, you know, if one could see, well, that's being harsh. That's being um, I'm withholding. I'm, I'm giving a hard thing. I'm 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 not there. I'm putting up a fake wall. You know, just in a conversation with some trainers and and people, one or two of the people would not say anything. You know, it's so easy to have your gremlin take over and just shut your mouth and go, well, you guys look like idiots, but I'm not saying anything. You know, I'm not going to share or be vulnerable or connect or reveal or unleash or fall apart. or I'm not going to do any of that because then because I'm too afraid. So I'm just going to be quiet. You guys can do all the work. I mean, and that's harsh and boring. I offer a distinction on what you just said, Clinton, because I think it might have been missed. I'm not a mess, but my gremlin and my box and my response to patriarchy and my survival strategies make this being look like a mess. Just because if I'm if I'm really a mess, if my spirit is a mess. I'm in the wrong place and I'm, nothing's going to make that go away. But the box and the gremlin can be a mess and I can fix that. Well, or not. I can practice a different way of living in patriarchy and the goal of getting out of patriarchy. Because what I heard you say just seemed like not only is it beyond repair, but there's nothing to do. And I don't agree with that. Well, well, let's look My at... My spirit it. doesn't agree with that. Yeah, well, let's look at... I mean, you know, let's say that whatever the thing is, you want to call it spirit or your being, you know, if it is a mess that reflects on the creator, because it's kind of one and the same. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're a mess, then the creator's a mess. And it's not okay to regard the creator as being a mess. But what if you do? What if what if you get it? What if, what if we get it that it's really a fucking mess? Like it's a mess everywhere. Like there is not even order in heaven. I've been recently walking virtually down the street of Via Sangre, Via Santa in Rome, the old street where the ruins are of the columns and the sacred temples and the triangles and these sacred spaces where the deities were were, were honored. And, you know, it's, there were people trying to imitate the archetypal and open up doorways so people could access perfection, possibly. This deity is perfect, that deity is perfect, and you have access to these, this archetypal level as a human. But, you know, these were Italians. You know, Italians are a mess. <laughs> you can't deny that. You cannot. And so, all right, what's this? Is a sham and like a deception. Uh, as if we're supposed to have our act together in some fundamental way 
that the superficial level, like you're saying, our box and our gremlin and our beliefs and our religion and everything could be fixed so that we would then be, you know, shine, we would radiate. This may or may not be true, but if you consider, like I never really thought about it before, but what if, what if it's a sham? What if really we are a mess? And trying to be in a relationship or trying to relate to somebody else and think that I'm going to be perfect so they'll love me. I'm going to be good enough so they'll love me. I'm going to try to make them good enough that I could love them. And then, oh, my God, you know, a whole lifetime goes by and we've been this whole failure. A failure. Whereas if if in reality, at the deepest level, it's a fucking mess. And I'm I'm kind of like Jeff is kind of demonstrating what we're appreciating is being a mess. And then I can let somebody else be a mess. We have a new kind of intimacy. It's a new kind of intimacy, like a fucking mess intimacy. I'm a fucking mess and let's have intimacy. Let's be let's be intimate in the fucking mess domain. And it could be fun, actually. <laughs> you get off so much. Imagine trying to get off all these things about trying to handle my gremlin and my shadow principles <laughs> and my parents. You know, and all this, I have to get off all this. It's like you can just get off getting off it and just be the reality underneath the whole thing is this nonsense. <laughs> then, then there's this nonsensical kind of celebration that could happen. Like a, a jubil- jubilation <laughs> emerging from the fundamental essential mess that we, that we discover after all these years of our spiritual path you know, you can follow people on a spiritual path, you know, 40 years of meditation, sitting on the pillow. I'm a mess. I'm just a mess. Marco. But and you're these guys sitting up in front of the room, and they're a mess. And they're, I don't know what they're sitting on, but it's a mess. I just melt down in this trying to keep up the illusion of not being a mess and they just melt down and they're caught. Their, their lives go public and their underworld leaks out from under their butt while they're sitting on the cushion. This, just, this shit leaks out, out from under them. What a mess. Yeah, I have to write a whole new book now. what a mess what What if the creator was a mess (laughs) I've I've once worked together with this guy who um, apparently had insight into some kind of 
how the universe is structured or designed or something like this and how how much it messes up basically he said he he speaks in like somehow he can let heaven speak through him or this kind of these bright principles and what they were mostly saying was like guys we're sorry we messed up your process of your birth <laughs> <laughs> It, that wasn't supposed to work out like this, but it did. But it's this is how it is, guys. Face face it, <laughs> and find some grace in it. <laughs> and I'm I'm at the moment just discovering, like with people, like with people that I work with, but also for myself, I'm. Uh, it, there's something happening like being born again like being like needing to be born again and and to be welcomed in this world and I feel I feel that this this going beyond repair is going going there where this process of entering this world was messed up and attending to that and really like this i had this process yesterday where laura was um speaking to me and inviting this part out that needed to hear hey you're welcome here in this world and Yeah, it seems like that. This is where so many people are stuck, like where I I was stuck. And to go there with someone is so heartbreaking, like. Uh, what I'm seeing is that like I'm not longer a space holder basically like fuck whatever that it is I'm someone who goes with people in the mess and let let my heart break about it thank you Kia you know see you, you say my birth was wrong and then it got bad after that. And here we are. Like That's not fully what I'm saying. I'm saying yes it was wrong but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to convince, <laughs> dude. You're trying to convince us that you can have a broken heart. You can have a broken heart about it, and you know you cannot. You cannot have a broken heart because there's a voice in the back of your head going, "You're an idiot. You're a weakling. You know you failed. You can't. You know, sure you can look like you have a broken heart about it, but it's a, it's fake broken heart. It's it's a concept it's a 
you know, it's a show. So you might call it a broken heart or you might be crying or something, but, you know, really there's, we have all these parts, like we're this zoo, you know, and there's the monkeys, they poop all over the place, you know, and break things. And then there's the dinosaurs, you know, the elephants that just crush things. I mean, we have all these parts, it's like a zoo inside. And and there's creatures and like multi-level God, whatever you call them, demons or thoughts, all these thought forms coming around. And we, you know, we basically try to numb ourselves to all this stuff that's going on and pretend like we're civilized or pretend like we love somebody or we love ourselves. We don't really love ourselves. I mean, you can't you can't love yourself, you know. But you know, we try to love ourselves. It's like this horrible lifelong adventure of impossibility trying to love yourself and and it's a mess and so if even if you have a you're trying to have a broken heart it's a, you know get off it you could just get off it about that i mean it's so i mean how do how do you like kian how do you try to be with someone when they're a mess how do you do it I just want to say, yeah, I see those voices that that say, I'm, yeah. <sighs> I'm better than you. I'm superior. You have to pay me. I'm being, you know, I'm your coach, so I'm going to hold space for you. So, but I'm not a space holder, but I'm... Mm. Mm. What I'm, what I'm, I don't know. Go ahead. There's what I'm doing, what I'm doing at the moment, or what I'm seeing, and when I hold space, is that I, I go where the person is. I go with with my with with my emotional body where the person is and feel the impact of that. That's what I do. Do you do it perfectly? No. Just checking. Yeah. And this thing that Mark, what you said about the helicopter blades, you know, and if there was some, if we were invested in having a form or a position or form like a, having ourselves together in some way, then the propeller blades would have something to, to just meat grind into, to grind up. And so the more, the more we try to have it together, the more the meat grinder, the propeller blades take it apart. And so I There's some kind of fine line between hopelessness or helplessness, you know, because it's, it seems like what we're talking about would be a really good reason to give up or a really good reason to be hopeless like that. But in fact, what I, I was trying that there was this, I was trying to say it's not, it's not a, about being hopeless. And Kian, you're saying it's about <laughs> together. Or being with, and at the same time, 
there's all these agendas, like Jeff's talking about, you got to make money, you got to be successful, you got to have a training working, you got to have people like you, you got to have a bigger group, you have to have a team, you have to have like all these things that are supposed to be part of it. And yet, here, here we are feeling all this stuff and knowing that even if we get it together at one level, there's a whole other level that we're not together at. Or even if we've been taken apart to one level, there's a whole other level that we're not taken apart about yet. And so the have trying to relate with another human being or trying to relate in a team where there's so much uncertainty and chaos seems at the first view of it to be hopeless. But but what if what if being in the chaos together is part of how you know part of the design? I don't know, part of our nature. Part, you know, the chaos is part of our nature. And we got it before we were born. And we're carrying, you know, we can have a concept of trying to be together, but then nobody can be with us. Then we're alone because we're trying to, how many people have done this? You try to get yourself together to be somebody, but then you're, you're so much trying to be somebody that you can't be with somebody else. Anybody ever have that? And so what's, how do you get out of that? You know, unless you want to spend the rest of your life in the fantasy world of trying to get yourself together and, you know, die like that. What I, what I, what I get from, from your, from this question is, it's like the inflammation process and the feelings practitioner uh, trainings, which is I'm like, I'm, I'm blocking out the world outside because it's scary and I'm blocking out the world inside because it's too scary also. And so I'm just stuck in between two worlds trying to become, trying to be some character trying to, you know, this fake life that is in the middle. And then, yeah. And, and, for me in the feelings practitioner training that when this process was going on, I was just kind of stunned. Like I was not, I, I, I was just sort of frozen in it and I didn't know where to go. And, and then all of a sudden my body just stood up after everybody had gone. And I went and sat next to Luis and, and I just reached out and held his hand. And, and that's when the process started for me. I, I just stopped trying to figure it out and just let my impulse take me where it where I needed to go. And I don't know how I accessed that, but I just, yeah. And it started this this my own inflammation process with with Luis and Suzanne, and then Verbal is there in this space also and and it was the it was terrifying it was just out, every step was absolutely terrifying to to step out of that 
and keep taking the next step and going towards and walking towards and 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 it didn't get any better it didn't get it like any any easier each step was sludgier each step was more sticky than the one before so so i had to to muster up more and more courage in in each step you know more and more take the next step with the fear what was that explained in any way in the space yes yeah it in the in the map it starts with just feeling the sadness letting letting myself feel the sadness of how far away i am from from these people who really want me to be in this world who who want me to be part of their life and then once the sadness gets big enough it just like creates this impulse to start walking towards and then the fear starts and the fear just gets bigger and bigger with each step because I have to actually face into that which I'm so terrified about. I have to actually let myself be received, let myself be seen this way and, and, and keep going and keep going. And then, yeah. And then be, be received into their arms and, you know, having a woman and a man sort of this archetypal masculine and feminine calling, calling me in, calling me, towards and yeah and 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 then just grieving in their arms for all the time that i have missed out on on doing this all the time that i've missed out on letting myself be received thank you i just want to read out loud for the people listening to the video, this quote that Berenica sent. Who's that from, Berenica? I don't have it written down. I just, this is one of the quotes I really love, and I don't have the version, sorry. It says, we are given a shot, which means a chance. We're given an opportunity to dance, dancing with, or at least clapping along with, the absurdity of life instead of being squashed by it over and over again. It's like singing on a boat during a terrible storm at sea. You cannot stop the raging storm, but the singing can change the hearts and spirits of the people who are together on the ship. Anne Lamotte. Thank you. You know, there's a way of what we're talking about here is recognizing the impossibility of avoiding being squashed by it over and over again. You know, to not necessarily try to think we're successful if we can avoid being squashed. Because there's something about it, like you just said, Jeff, about when, when, I mean, I remember going bankrupt and uh, my my career path was taken away from me by clarity that I am not a mechanical engineer. I'm not an electronic, I'm not a computer programmer guy. That was my father's job. And so I just stopped doing it. And then I tried to do 
make money selling face creams. And if you know me at all, you know, I'm really a big fan of face creams. I mean, you know, I have no idea what this stuff is at all. And I'm trying to, I mean, Hong Kong, walking the streets of Hong Kong, trying to sell face creams to these Hong Kong businessmen. And they would talk to me in all honesty. And then they would look at me and go, no, thank you. You know, because they they were smart business people and they knew I was screwed. So I just went down so badly that my entire world became this squash. That's probably why I like squash. I was just devastated to the degree that, you know, the Earth Coincidence Control Office could actually influence my next move beyond my ability to block it. And I became a secretary in a training company in a little town in Arizona. So, I mean, this thing about being squashed, if we successfully avoid it, how how is Echo going to work with us? You know, how how is it possible to you know be to go in the flow to be flow? If if I'm rigid and stuff and, and defended, and if I'm if I have a a path or a line or a practice, or if I have you know this thing, then it's really difficult to be in some kind of flow. And I, in a field, and I think I, from my opinions, in most everything is some kind of field effect. And it's in the field effect is pretty chaotic because it's vibrating and it's into, you know, fields just blend with each other. You know, it just, there's no, it's not like a door you walk through. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're inside or outside. It's not like that. There's a field. And the field fades out at some point, you know, and interacts with other fields. And like, if you have a wave going like this, but if they both go up at the same time, then it multiplies what that wave is, you know, so it gets really intense for no reason. It's just they add up, the intensity adds up for a short time. And then, it's, you know, and then it, then there's nothing, like really nothing for a short time. And so I think we're involved with each other in what's going on. In, in that kind of chaos. And, and we're supposed to philosophize about it. The hell are we talking about? We're experimenting in chaos. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that wants to resort to reading the book because the first sentence is, Thus, you enter free and natural adult relating. Mm. But, yeah. (sighs) I want to share something, which is that I realize in being with Jeff and what's going on and also reflecting recently on writing this article about why I want to join the Women's Bridge House in this conversation that I had with Vera. Um, it's not like I really have, like on some level, really no idea how to really be with people without actually like wanting something from them and and or like trying to rescue them or, or do something. And so, for example, just being with Jeff in the past few days, I, I feel like I'm getting so many like, you know, like I'm cold and rigid or like, you know, just don't rescue or don't, you know, don't be too 
warm or or I see myself like trying to pick something like, you know, like give some kind of like a feedback or coaching. Like, can't you see that you're, you know, good at this or that or something? And, and I just, it's like, and then I just, it's like, I almost like I'm like sputtering out. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, like short circuiting. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm like trying this and I'm like, ah, it's not working. And now I'm going to fully say it here. And it's kind of funny, but I had an EHP yesterday and I started my EHP is about about the fact that I I don't really know how to be with you, Vera. <laughs> and I just it's like yeah I I, I don't know because it's like I, I project these things and I want these things and it's just like all these stories about you know you and and it just it's like it's such a mind fuck like I'm <laughs> trying to figure it all out and. Yeah, and and I, I it is like a total mess, and and often I do this thing where I do freeze and like do this gremlin-y like shut down and don't say anything thing, and yeah, I really don't really know how to be with it, someone without it somehow being really you know contaminated with a lot of things, and that's really messy. I mean, what if it's really even worse than that? <laughs> yeah I mean what if it's so messy that you can't even package up the mess because you packaged up your mess pretty well it's pretty clear understandable kind of messes what if it's worse than that I mean I was thinking you know, we're, we're in this space, and the space has this clarity about the possibility that there's no clarity. You know, there's a possibility that there's this chaos or this mess that's fundamental and, like, irre, irreparable, or it's irreducible. The mess is irreducible. And if you start getting okay with that, and then you go out of this space... You're going to meet people who are trying to be something. And they will look so ridiculous to you because they're often this fantasy world trying to like put, you know, be a nice person or look pretty or have be be rich or be successful or be a business leader or be a an, an Instagram star or be, you know, they're trying to be something. And there's a, a kind of ridiculousness to that if you start getting okay with the utter messiness of stuff at a fundamental level and so and you're going to have to relate to those people these people are you know growing vegetables for you and putting gas in your car and you know they're bringing you mail whatever that whatever they're doing you know whatever those people are doing they're around you having their life be in some kind of order. I mean, and Chloe and I, like, and Chloe, we ordered some kind of food from the people here at this place we're staying. So they whip up this like poached eggs on avocado bread, you know, and they they come and knock at our door and they're terrified because we're we're locked away in this room. They have no idea what we're doing in here. (laughs) Here for days, we won't let the house... (laughs) 
come in. We go down to the last piece of toilet paper before we ask for toilet paper. We have we ask three bottles of you know giant jugs of water so they don't ever have to change our water. You know, we're locked in and they come in, they knock on the door and they go, and they're just terrified. They're like shaking, holding this plate full of avocado toast. And I invite them in, you know, why don't you come in and just, you know, put it on the table and they're and they they can hardly breathe. These people are looking around and they're going, what are they doing in here? And you know, all we have is a computer set up on the table and like we, we wash most of our dishes and it looks pretty orderly in here. But they're terrified because they, they their world has a construct and they live inside of the construct. You know, they work here, they go home here, their parents, their whole world is in this construct. And so the people in our lives out there also have a world and a construct. And you're 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 sitting here in a world that's the construct is decomposing. Not only that, you're trying to compost yourself by sprinkling activated microorganisms on yourself. So it decomposes even further. And so I'm just I'm I'm sort of building a bridge to what happens after this space when you go back out into your life and those people out there still think they have a construct that has some reality to it or order to it. And you're and you're gonna breathe right through it. It's like suddenly being able to walk through walls because people think there's walls and you see that it's just space. And it's because it has no because there's this vibration or this it has this mess. So I was just trying to give you the chance to not be too shocked when you see people out there that still have constructs that they are trying to hold together in their world. It's, it reminds me of a story. I was a few years ago, many years ago at the wedding and the wedding was a very traditional Polish wedding. And people were really nice and they were really trying to relate to me, but they just couldn't because all the questions were, they were like, oh, so what's your job? And I was like, I, I don't really have a job. And then there's like blinking and there's like no, there's no qu other question that could come. So they try from other way. So where do you live? And I say, I don't really live anywhere. And they just, they're just blink. And there's like, and then after three questions, they give up because there's no doorway for them to actually relate. They don't understand. And it's this, yeah, it just comes. So what do you, what do, you do, Bernica? What do you do with that? I remember there was a part of me that really enjoyed the confusion, <laughs> enjoyed creating this mess, enjoyed like their little bit like small liquid states, like because it seemed that they had no one around that was not having a job and not getting married and not. So it was really something that the system was shaking. And I kind of really enjoyed being this person, actually provoking more questions and, and giving more nonlinear answers. And yeah, so that's what I did. You are your gremlin. Sorry, me and my gremlin, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I think I have the, this question about this mess and Jacqueline was sharing about the mess of a different ego state and the projections and the, and 
how do you have this conversation and not have people say, well, it's my mess and it's all a mess. So I can just vomit, you know, my, my, my survival mess on you. There's higher order messes. <laughs> it's obvious. No, I get that. No, I get that, but it, I mean, I think it was worth it, it's worth mentioning it. Well, it's the thing I was talking about hopelessness or powerlessness. Because I mean, back when I was first learning to sit on a pillow in 1970. I was listening to Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who invented tra um, transcendental meditation. And his model was this thing about a piece of chalk. And the piece of chalk, he said, you know, he could draw, he could throw the piece of chalk and it would have a certain amount of you know, physical Newtonian momentum energy. Or he could put the chalk into like a, put, put vinegar on it and have a chemical reaction and it would change into this carbon dioxide and it would, it would have this kind of a chemical power. But if he, if he went to even a more subtle level, like the nuclear level, then this thing could be like blow up a city. You know, if you could use it like a nuclear bomb, it would blow up part of a city. That's how much power it is. So the more subtle level you go down, the more energy there is to work with. The more power, the more direct access you have to the fundamental energy or power of the stuff. And I think the chaos that we're talking about is, is applies to game world building, for example. So if there's no game world, if there's a game world that's not working and you don't know what a game world is, you're trapped inside the game world and all you can do is vote or march march in the street or try to have an election or something like that. It's basically really ineffective. But if you are a game world builder and you look at that game world and you go, well, the codex is wrong. The rules of engagement are off. The, the principles, they don't have their, you know, there's no clarity about the bright principles. Oh, there's a mixed context. You know, or they're, they're using a hierarchy. They're not using Taurus technology. They're, they're trying to vote you know, have a democracy instead of using, you know, chaos and resistance to make decisions. I mean, there's all these distinctions that you have when you are a game world builder in a situation that somebody who's not a game world builder does not have. And I think that that's what we're really going at here is that when, when the thing, when you, it's like, like there's this thing, the, the saying which is like there's two things in life, bullshit and nothing. And you think, oh, my God, and my whole life just falls apart and it's all bullshit. And the point is, yeah, of course it's bullshit. It's all it's all bullshit and bullshit can be really useful. But the art of, of fabricating bullshit is a magnificent art because it's all bullshit. <clears throat> so it's not bad. It isn't a bad thing and it isn't a wrong thing and it is not a being power powerless or lost. So if somebody comes up to you and is a victim of the chaos, then they haven't done the next step. And the next step is mage work. It's working with the, the chaos 
to invent the next thing, uh, you know, that never existed before. And that's where the mage work comes in, is you're working with the void and you're working with nothingness and you're working with chaos and you're working with what's possible and not possible out of nothing in a in a space that you're sourcing in a particular way so that something can happen that is needed or wanted or never happened before. But that's that's the point of, of letting it disintegrate into the most subtle level of of the chaos of the mess is so you get access to the the the, the actual power or actual creative force, the source of the creative force that you need. You need the thing to fade into the molecular level or subatomic level so that you can reformat new materials for for the future, for us, for your next project, for the game world that you're building. I mean, to me, that's what this is really about. <clears throat> so it, it isn't a victim conversation. Somebody comes up to you with a victim conversation and you just you have to laugh at them too. They think, you know, they think there's a problem and they're inventing it just to have that conversation with you. What are you <laughs> going to do? I, you're going to say, okay, listen to, listen to study group number 112 or 113. What is this? I don't know where we are. And, and, and then you'll understand. You say, go listen to that and then you'll understand. Yeah. So what about the mage work of this? mage work of free and natural adult relating, the mage work of being nobody, the mage work of being a mess. One, something that I have been experimenting more and more is that I think I've, I've been trying, before I would try to, I'd have this idea of what was happening, like what was happening with me or what was happening with somebody else and I would try to frame it in a way that would make sense so it was powerful or had clarity. And and but I noticed that how it built a buffer. And so more recently I've been experimenting with just radical honesty. Just to start with I, I hate this. You know, I hate what you're doing, or this is boring, or or laughing, or this try something else, like give me something else, give me another offer. And instead of trying to package it, like understand it or maybe even analyze it and try to make it, I don't know that I would come up with a really great distinction or really great. And so uh, somehow my last, I've been holding space for emotional healing processes and they ended up not being so much emotional healing processes. They end up being this, this conversation about I don't know where I just am, am radically honest. To, I don't know. It's a dangerous thing as a coach. I mean, I was thinking about it today. I was like, I'm just being radically honest about what I, how it is for me to be with them in their thing, whatever people bring. So as a, I'm thinking as a doorway to the mess, my own mess, to, like to be willing to have my own mess in radical honesty. Without having a problem about it. Yeah. No, it's like more as a catalyst of conversation, like a catalyst of transformation. 
and I I'm I'm getting something like maybe this is a story, but I'm getting something like because of your own mess, it's like you you're not resisting the mess. You're just like cool. You know, I don't care about trying to keep it together anymore. It's just like I'm just here now with what is and no show, no analysis, no nothing, just like the basics to go through the mess together. There's a thing about caring or not caring that has a kind of energy on it that if you say you don't care, it actually is an energy. It's like the opposite of caring. So there's caring and there's not caring, but it's not, neither one is neutral. And we're talking about this radical neutrality. So I don't think it's valuable to go around and say, well, I don't care about that. Even though I say that stuff, I said it today in a call. But it's like, <laughs> it doesn't help. Habet, go ahead. Yeah, I'm in a mess uh, about my living situation right now. I right. That <laughs> my mess is bigger than your mess. Like you, can't yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, but yeah. And, <laughs> and the people, like the landlords, let's say, um, yeah, <laughs> so much accusations. Like, oh, but you should have known this, and you. Just, and I'm so surprised how much again this matches with my life. I I can't stop being surprised about that, and. <laughs> And what I did was, because I realized that I'm in a mess, was to say, okay, okay, you think I should have known this? Okay. Yeah, but you didn't take care of this. And I say, okay, yeah, right. And that's so, I don't know, instead of trying to understand why they do this to me or why it's so hard or why there's so much resistance or why this, why that, or figuring out how I can fix it, to say okay is is a new thing to me and it opens so much to to actually be with what is and to to accept them as who they are because i could really relate to what you said about how we try or how i try to change them or how they try to change me so that it fits somehow and instead of that doing okay okay that's where we are okay you think that i should know this Okay, I didn't know this, but now I know. So, okay. And it's like taking off this baggage of of the past so I can be really with what is and go from there. Like that's, It's like the zero point from where I can have a do-over. Instead of not caring, because I care, right? I need a place. I need to sleep. So I cannot pretend I don't care. Like I have my stuff there. I pay rent. <laughs> I cannot pretend I, I don't care, but I can say, okay, okay, yes. And really with this acceptance of taking it as as this whole mess, not to say it's okay because everything is okay. It's not okay. What they're doing is not okay, but this is where we are. Yeah. Thank you. I Thank really you. got something when you said the zero point, how the zero point is, it's not about not caring. It's just about, okay, just about the zero point. And this is where we are. Yeah. I mean, but you can get that and they might not get it. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's not necessarily everybody gets 
that this is where we are as a neutral zero point, but you can, or I can, you know, I can, I can just go uh, zero point. <laughs> Not sure that would make sense very often, but I'm, I'm going to try it. Instead of saying, I don't care, I'll just go zero point back to zero. I'm getting off it. I don't know how to say it. Thank you. So what I, what I got from this last two shares is that, I can be the, the 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 huge mess that the other person can 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 open their mess into, like just that. Yeah, I can make the mess, and then they can open their mess, and that's I just do it so to and every so everybody else can do it, and just go. Yeah, it's just going first. Oh. Mm, the way that you frame it, Jeff, it sounds like it's like a measurement. It's like I do it so that, like as a as a as a goal or as a, and and when you were being a mess in the very beginning of the call, you had no agenda for people to for anything to happen. You you were actually just be you were being radically honest. This is what I would cracked I, open. You were cracked open, radically honest, and and the result of it, like Clinton said, is unpredictable. It's unpredictable. And I think for me, it's also what makes the mess so interesting. The way you were talking, Jeff, reminded me about Martin Prechtel's second book, uh, Long Life, Honey in the Heart, where he's revealing this Mayan decision-making technology called that we've called the MESS process, M-E-S-S, Mayan Extraordinary Synergy System or something like that. Well, it has five different names, but it's all the MESS. So, <laughs> and, it, and there's this, what, you know, they have a question, everybody hears the question, and then the whole, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> and, then, and people are arguing, and people are sleeping, and people are eating, and people are writing, drawing pictures or whatever, this whole thing is going on. And then it takes 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, everybody knows what to do next. And they go on to the next question. He was from the West and he was trying to logically figure out how this was happening. But it was like the most efficient and effective and intelligent resource use, you know, resourceful um, problem solving or decision-making methodology that he'd ever seen. And I've used it a bunch of times in really difficult situations. And the thing just works. If you just make enough chaos, you just keep the chaos going. And it, until, until some, a new thing happens, the next thing happens. And so I mean, so, it has a kind of practical use in that way. And I think what, what you're saying is if you, if you start off, with the agenda, I'm going to pretend like I'm a mess until it comes back to order. It's not really, it's like the mess, I think the mess process has a really a use in particular situation, but to engage life as a mess process, it, it's like just having a, a hammer for everything. The same tool. Yeah, the same tool for everything. And so that's, that's I was just afraid of that frame. Well, I want to share that we went to that square where the mess processes happen. And I was seeing, I was like just seeing it playing out in my mind. And it was so, yeah, I did that part of the book is so funny. And we didn't find the hole. 
I just want to report that we did not we did not find the hole. What? We looked for mm. the hole. We could not find it. it. But you said it was in that church. I think they covered it over. I could I could sense into where it was, but I could not. There was no hole. Because I think they kept covering it over, and then the the Mayan kept opening it up every time they covered it over. Yeah. I think they gave up. Thank you. I'm just saying I would not want to actually do anything with this space in terms of shifting it. So I I'm okay if we end early and I'm just hanging out here to see if there's anybody with anything else coming up. Anna, are you having something else come up or Kian or anybody? Vera. Vera, you were you were freaking out for a while. Do you want to say what that was? I I, I lost it at the what if the creator was the mess? It was like I couldn't, I wanted to cry and laugh at the same time and that both sounds were coming out. And as this, I, the realization that my my whole life has been about matching up some perfection because the creation isn't perfect. Because life is perfect or because bright principles are perfect or whatever. And, and then how much of this I'm not okay box is because I'm not matching that idea of perfection. And then and there's the whole like repercussions that were happening. And I'm like, it's almost, almost like an emotional healing process. But at the same time, I couldn't even go to any swamp about it because there was just this like, Oh my God, this is, I never asked this question. What the hell? Like, what if there wasn't, what if the, and, 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 and this liberation and you were you kept talking exactly Clinton into what was happening and I I I I couldn't even hear you um Kian because it was just I just wanted to lie down and the whole let let the whole thing happen and so I just let it happen a little bit and and wow I just have this, this wow demanding perfection from life, from, from, ah, yeah. Incredible what a, a, a question just, just does. Yeah. Thank you. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I'm thinking there's a kind of resilience from not needing to have things be a certain way. And it opens doors to improvisation and it opens doors to invention and it opens doors to freedom of movement. And and at the same time, you know, I, I kind of still remember when I first learned that Christmas was not real. You know, when Santa Claus was invented by Coca-Cola, you know, my my parents were were completely neurotic about holding this fantasy world as long as they possibly could. My dad, every year in California, 
where we have a really small chimney like this. You know, we don't, we never burned any, you know, big stuff. And the chimney was only this big, but he would go up to the top of the house every year and secretly, like, I don't know, in the middle of the night with a ladder, climb up to the top of the chimney and he would tie a piece of red fabric on the top of the chimney. So we had proof <laughs> that Santa Claus was there because he ripped his pants <laughs> on the way back. Every year they would do that. I, I, I was amazed. Really, and the cookies were gone with little crumbs, you know, and the milk was partly drunk, you know, and there were these, it was, it was always this. And then when I learned that that, that was this made up thing, uh, it I didn't like it because it had some kind of order to it or some kind of magical order or some kind of perfection that Santa Claus would always come and he would always get down the chimney and he would always bring presents and he would always, you know, the stuff was Rip like his pants. And rip his, and he would always rip his pants. Yeah. And I was like, always. And then, and then it was like, okay, well, then what's, what is there then? You know, I kind of, so we have these stories or we have these constructs, these mimetic constructs or these energetic constructs that, that we might get attached to. And so I don't think there's really value in just casting away art forms. Like, I don't, just hold on a second. I'll be right back. Like, I'm just going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> You see this guy? He's an elephant. He's, it's probably over there. So he's made out of wood. Somebody carved this elephant. There's two of them up there. And the whole the whole time we've been here, I've been wanting to hug this elephant. <laughs> I just wanted to, because I have this thing about elephants, and I wanted to hug the elephant like this the whole time. And this is the only this is the first time I did it. And I I don't know. I love this thing. And it's this, it's just a wooden, you know, some decoration, this kind of decoration with these golden ears and all this stuff. And so, so what, what am I supposed to do? Like, come in here and take all these down and stick them in the closet because, uh, because it's fake, because it's an illusion. You know, elephants don't have hats like this. They don't wear these hats. I don't know if you can see it. And it, anyway, so I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about just like trying to destroy all the Rama, Krishna, fantasy worlds and elephants and Christmas and all that stuff. It isn't about. So I think it's really a mess that we can have an elephant and know that it's bullshit or have Christmas and know that it's fake or have, you know, Thanksgiving and know that. They didn't actually eat turkeys on Thanksgiving because they didn't have turkeys. They had like pigeons. I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you a one. <laughs> so I don't. I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about destroying all religions or all whatever. But at the same time, there's power 
in letting it going back to the primordial soup as a source and being part of the primordial soup and at the same time wearing Hawaiian shirts and the stuff. <laughs> You're not wearing a <laughs> my elephant <laughs> I'm serious about the elephant we were in Laos we ride the motorcycle around and got lost and we found this elephant uh, saving camp rescue, rescue camp, camp. Yeah. An elephant was there so mm -hmm. I get off the motorcycle and I walk up to this elephant and I just start using the Anna Breitenbach. Do you guys know her? Anna Breitenbach talks to animals. So I did a workshop with her at Zeg one time. And so I was talking to an apple tree and I got a lot of information from the apple tree. Well, anyway, I was talking to the elephant and I put my head right up and she comes walk over and she just sticks her head right on me. And we're talking to each other and she was sad. And, and she was so sad, I started crying. And after a while, I looked up and she had tears coming down her eyes. And I didn't know that elephants could cry. And I go, what are you sad about? And she goes, I'm sad because I want to have a baby and they won't let me have a baby here. And I said, I'm going to see what I can do about it. And she said, okay, thank you. And I went to the guys and I talked about it and they said, no, it's illegal for us to have baby elephants here at the center. They don't want us to grow more elephants here. I said, but she really is sad and she really wants to have a baby elephant. And they go, okay, thanks for telling us. Um, we'll we'll um, see what we can do. Move her to another place, maybe where she can have a, a baby elephant. And I talked to Anna Breitenbach about it. I, I wrote a letter to her and she almost never writes back, but she wrote back to me and she said, she said, here's what you can do is every now and then reach out to this elephant from wherever you are and just connect with her so she knows you still remember. Like that she knows that you're in contact and that's that's good enough, that'll work. And so I do that. I just, every now and then I just remember this elephant. I just say hello. <laughs> She says hello back, and I, I don't take the conversation further than that. But anyway, th there's all this stuff going on between us and the fields and the waves and what's possible. And if we take it back down to the primordial soup, we're not in these constructs where we have to go get a job and crawl on our bellies and try to go get a job somewhere because life is so much bigger than that. Or messier than that, somehow. Thank you, Clinton. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking about 
this fantasies, I remember that my brother, for him, was very important to be Santa Claus for the kids. And I, I really did not like it because I was afraid that they would find out at some point and feel betrayed. And I remember that my daughter, very early, she understood that it's her uncle. But my son, he was very long time, like eight years, believing it and really excited about it. And everybody played along. And at some point, my brother, like he was eight years old, right? And my brother had a very bad costume, anyhow, but he believed it. And then my brother reached out to something and you could see his watch. And everybody held his their breath because they thought, okay, now it's over. And my son said, Oh, Santa Claus, you have the same watch as my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, for me, that, that special moment and not the ifs and how. And thank you, Clinton. And when he was telling the story about the elephant, it reminded me of them. ATB I had with you in Israel and there was this kibbutz and there were these cows and I I talked to them and I felt so guilty for what's going on and they said it's fine we're all together here and with what you just said I it, it's okay to just stay in contact and to not have to fix it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I the I don't remember when I remember I don't remember when I stopped believing in Santa Claus, but I, I know that it wasn't a big disappointment. Uh, and I was like your child habet, where once my dad came like a like a couple of hours later than midnight, and he said <laughs> he said something like he found Santa Claus in a convertible and he just like handed over my, my present to him. And then I totally believed it. And I, I think I was also kind of like, I don't know. I was old enough to probably not believe in Santa Claus, but I, I, I noticed this like, what you could do this, this possibility. And, and what I, and throughout my whole life, it has, there's this kind of, I attach it to this, I, 
wanting to be connected to that magic to to that possibility of of communicating like what you what you were saying clinton you know communicating with other species of of getting jacked in into creation and you know there's there's even some moments i something happens and i don't know what happens it could be a kind of magic it could be a kind of magic that i don't know and that that is that is happening right now that is and and it's not just like oh because i like thinking about it oh i like um, i prefer my life with this kind of story about the world that is that magic is possible and um that someone can can give me a, like a, a gift no it's not that it's more that the it's there there's something in in me and i think in in all of us here that can sense things that are so ecstatically magical and but they're real or they're they're not the fantasy but they're just there's so much there's just so much that we can experience in in like connecting with the toucan or or with the waters or or with the the elements of the of the wind and and the messages that they have and yeah i just I've, i have i have fear because i have my my survival strategy has a certain tendency to to create fantasy worlds and so i was kind of getting a little stuck on on that mess basically on like either i destroy all of the fantasies and they're like evil or like what do i what do i relate to what do i relate to really um, in a way that it's not controlled or it's not to correct uh or to yeah to measure myself am i am i am i in reality am i am i already in reality um i don't have a an ending to this it's just how i am right now anybody else have any ending you want to say yeah, there's something that just came up when I heard you speak, Vera, about fantasy. That like, maybe that's my mind. My mind likes to think in antidotes. And what just came is that the antidote to fantasy is possibility. And that just came from me. And uh, it resonates in me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm with this. Uh, fear of. I don't know, like this, this not knowing what's real anymore. What's real, what's fake. And yeah, I'm. That's so that's what I'm with. Suggestion. Yeah. I don't believe you're on bullshit about that, because you do know exactly what's real and what's not, and that 
you know, people who say what you said, then they say, well, I'm going to fly and they take a step off the top of a building. <clears throat> so I don't think you're going to do that. So if you, I think it's just your mind with the idea that you don't know what's real, but uh, you always have your possibility stone and that's real. So you just touch your stone, that's real, go from there. I think uh, the thing you're doing at confusing yourself is an old survival strategy from the key and I used to know. I'll say that again if you want. I got it. Okay. Anything else from anybody else? Well, what's fake is this guy in a red costume, but what's real is dads and uncles trying so hard to connect with their with the kids and make something special. <laughs> and yeah, I get to really see that in the stories. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, please take a deep breath. Make sure you have your center, your grounding cord, and your bubble. Welcome back to the fake world. Really take care of yourself. <laughs> have, a, have a great experimental week. I'd like to hear what your experiments are. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Thank and you. Chloe. Thank, Thank you, Clinton. You. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, good. Bye-bye.